from the heart of the Forest City, focusing on the biggest stories in London, this is the Craig Needles Podcast. Now here's your host, Craig Needles. It's the Craig Needles Podcast, and it's time for the Friday Roundtable. And you can, of course, find us at londonnewstoday.ca, classicrock981.com, wherever you get your podcasts. And the Craig Needles Podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Clearview Auto Glass. And we are joined in the studio today for the roundtable by Blackburn Media News Manager Scott Kitching, as well as uh, Green Party candidate uh, past and perhaps future, we'll see, Carol Dick, <laughs> and uh, Sam Trosso, who, of course, is the uh, counselor for Ward 6, joining us uh, for the very first time here on uh, the Craig Needles podcast and the Friday roundtable. Well, you've been on the podcast before, but never the roundtable. But thank you very much for doing this, Sam. We appreciate it. Glad to be here. Uh, let's, uh, there's, there's a bunch of issues that I want to get to this week, but I want to start with the City of London's homelessness response. And uh, if you've had a chance to take a look at the story and uh, the reports and whatnot, we're, we're talking about spending $1.9 million on the homeless response. Now, I know people are going to say, as they hear me say that, well, wait a minute, aren't we doing hubs? What are we spending on hubs? What are we spending on homeless response? And the reality is that we're in my estimation, so far behind the eight ball on this particular issue that we need to be doing a whole lot of things at the very same time. Otherwise, we're going to find ourselves in a, uh, a pretty negative situation. So, Sam, uh, I'll ask you first because you've always had a chance to take a look at the reports and whatnot. Uh, $1.9 million on what we've got right now for a homeless response for the winter. Do you think that makes, that, that makes sense from your estimation? Yes, I've read this report very carefully. I think it makes sense. It is broken down to different functions. It's broken down to locations. It's broken down to agencies. And when you look at what the different agencies are uh, planning on doing, these are all these are all pieces of a much larger all community response. So the fact that we're doing the hubs does not that does, does not take away the need to continue to deal with people in encampments and especially as it, as it gets cold. So I, I think um, from what I can tell, this seems uh, very, very reasonable. I know there will be some additional um, add-on requests, but um, I think this has uh, gone through a variety of different processes and I think it's um, something we should be supporting. I'm, I'm going to be supporting this at the committee. Uh, Carol, a lot of people are going to look at this and say, well, wait, we already did hubs. Do we need to do this too? And, you know, what's the, the situation? What's your read on, on where the public's at on this issue? Um, well, as far as I can tell from, you know, having knocked on doors for several people, you know, whether it's municipally or other elections, is that the main issue for a lot of people, what they consider the largest concern behind affordability, of course, is the homelessness situation in London. And there's a lot of people who are behind doing everything we possibly can to help those that have to live rough, especially in the winter. And I know from speaking to people at the doors that they you know are extremely concerned every single time that they think we're so far behind before the winter weather comes and worried about what is going to happen when you know the temperatures start coming to freezing and we saw the tragic reaction or tragic result of not being prepared in April when that woman passed away from the fire mm -hmm. um, we want to try to avoid those types of situations as much as humanly possible so I mean yeah we've got the hubs but that's only one part of it and we really should as a community be rallying around to do as much as we possibly can especially as winter is coming do you think people are ready to hand over a two million dollar check on this Scott I, I certainly hope so because I mean w when we look at at where as Sam pointed out where some of this money is going to be going uh, hiring of out more outreach workers mm -hmm. and and when we when we look at the homelessness crisis we we tend to sometimes fall into that well we just need to get roofs over their heads 
That's all, you know. That's that's where the responsibility begins right. and ends. And there's just so much more to it than that. Outreach is so incredibly important. Um, we can't just you know take a person who is who is living rough or or who is in an, in an encampment or or is sleeping under a bridge, and say, "Here you go, go go sleep in this warm bed in a hub," and then we, you know wash our hands. It can't be that way. We, right. we, there has That's to not be going to be successful. Yeah. We have to have supports in place. And, and some of this money is going to go to those supports, hiring outreach workers so that there are more people to, to engage with, with people who are homeless and, and steer them toward the help that they need. So I uh, personally, I mean, yes, by all means, spend this money. I, and I certainly hope that uh, that the broader public will be on board with that as well. Now, so here are the agencies, and, and Sam mentioned it's all broken down in the report, and I can I can read you the agencies that are going to be part of this. So we got uh, Arc Aid Street Mission, London Cares Homelessness Response, uh, CMHA, uh, the Salvation Army, Safe Space, Five One Nine Pursuit, uh, London Cares uh, again, and it, it's all it's all broken down on the city's website. You can go take a look at it. I know some people might be wondering, hey, where's Adelosa on there? Haven't they run one of these in this past? I suspect they're just using that very same square footage for the hub so it just is, is it, i don't maybe maybe don't have capacity i've not asked anybody that alosa about that but i would guess that would be it uh either way there are a lot of agencies here and if you look at how many months they plan on operating this actually doesn't become that expensive for all the different spaces they're going to be there so we got you know day drop in for six months with arcade for about 600 grand uh, up to 110,000 for london cares homelessness response for another day drop in so it's in you, they break down the staffing cost, the whole thing. It's very, very clear as to where the money is going. I don't think there's going to be any question about that, which I think is good. I, I think that we want to be, you know, upfront with people and say, here's what's happening. Here's where this is going to make a difference. Uh, is are they going to be able to help everybody? Sadly, the answer is no. They're not going to be able to do that, but they're going to help a lot of people with this, right? I I think so, absolutely. And as I said, like this this is a good investment for our city. I mean, we should be doing absolutely everything we possibly can when there are so many people here that are struggling. So you know, it is about that outreach. It is about treating people with respect and dignity, meeting them where they're at, helping them through these difficult situations, providing them with services. I mean, for me, 1.9 million is you know we probably could use even more, but you know it is a, a huge part of um, helping and we are really lucky in London to have so many great organizations that are involved with helping the unsheltered and those that are suffering from mental illness and addictions I mean I I think that we should be really proud of the work that does get done here and and they need every bit of support they can get from the city to tackle this growing problem uh, anything you want to add on that, Scott? Just as far as you know, how big a problem that we we're dealing with here? Oh, it's it's massive, uh, and and frankly, I, you know, I've I've lived in this city now for 23 years, and I have never seen it like this. Um, you know, in the last few years. I mean, I, we've talked about this in the past. I mean, when I first moved here in in 2000, it was rare. It was so rare to see someone at an intersection asking asking for for help, asking for change. Now it's it's every major intersection, and and you know and and when you couple it with the opioid crisis and and just the housing situation in general, it's I don't believe, and I, this is anecdotal, I don't believe it's ever been this bad. So, an all hands on deck approach is what we need, and and I think one point nine million dollars is, I mean, if you have a problem with that, I. 
You might want to look within yourself, I suppose, if, 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 I, can, if I can fairly say that. Uh, anything to add on that, Sam? No, I think that was very well put. I know people are going to be very conscious about the costs, especially as we head into the budget, budget yep. season. But this, this has been spread out between different funds, and I, I think that um, these are all agencies who have proven track records. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's true. And I want to ask you about that from a multi-year budget perspective, because I know that we've been hearing uh, a lot of your colleagues, and and I don't know if I've heard you say it, but maybe maybe you want to say it now. Uh, some of your colleagues have said, look, we're going to get into multi-year budget time, and unless we want some sort of exorbitant tax, uh, property tax increase, there's going to be some stuff that we, we may want to do that we may have to say no to. Uh, but this, to me, is not a want to do. This is a, a, a have to do. So mm -hmm. as, as we pr get towards multi-year budget, Sam, are you worried about sort of having to uh, turn away maybe some things that you would otherwise want to be doing from the city's perspective? I hope it doesn't get to that. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I think when you look at the various different funds that the city um, draw, draw, draws on, these are not all funds that are going to go onto a uh, tax levy. Right. In addition, the city has been very active and I think successful in trying to get um, uh, contributions from, uh, from from private donors, but also from senior levels of government. So this money that we spend is not necessarily um, going to go on the tax right, bill. Yeah. Some of it, some of it will. Right. Uh, some well, as an example, I was at an announcement this morning for Youth Opportunities Unlimited, great organization. Uh, the province came with a half million dollar check to help them write a youth, uh, you know, set up a, a youth drop-in space. Yep. That's great. We need that. So if, if the more of those, the more of those checks we can get, the better off we're going to be when it comes to where things uh, wind up from the from the tax base perspective. Uh, last thing on this. So we've got hubs. We've got this. What do we think is next? And I'll ask you, Sam, just because you're there. What do we think is next as far as how we assist people who are dealing with homelessness uh, in the city of London, sort of past this winter into the future? What are you hoping to see the city be able to accomplish? Well, I'm seeing a two-prong approach. One prong is uh, ma making more rent geared to income and assisted housing um, available. I think that's that's very, very difficult because given the um, given the very regressive tax structure that cities have to operate right. under, um, we are very, very constrained in terms of how much we can directly build. So it's all about yep. leveraging. It's all about creating relationships with other with other with other entities. The other prong, however, is making sure that we don't add to the homelessness by having people who are currently um, precariously housed in in uh, somewhere in the city um, out, on, out on the street and I I've, I've said this on several occasions at, at council I want to see stepped-up code enforcement because I think we have to do a better job in terms of understanding that our housing stock is deteriorating and when that happens people become more um, you know more more prone to being uh, being evicted and we have to we have to think about that we can't be pulling people out of the river I think the mayor said this yeah. once and then having other people being pushed in yeah and that's true. And uh, not to get too dark on this podcast, but I've literally seen them have to pull someone who was homeless out of the river. And, and sadly, this, this this woman did not make it. Um, and that's devastating. And and, and and there's all sorts of reasons why why that may have occurred. And, and, and we don't need to get specific on that particular case. But what I'll say is the more things like this that we have as far as winter response and options and places for people to go, the more sense this is going to make. Are we doing trailers again? Is that is that part of this? Because I know that there were some people that, that liked the way that the trailer system was set up. Uh, uh, I know that we did them at, uh, at golf courses and various other community spots and things along those lines. And, and maybe that's, and, and I don't, I haven't seen that 
that in this particular report, but maybe that's something that we would want to consider again. I thought the trailer thing worked okay. Yeah, I think so too. And I haven't seen or heard anything about that, but um, I mean, anything we can do to make sure that people are housed over the winter would be great. And then as you were saying, like, what else can we do? And this is not necessarily on a municipal thing. And I know that Scott and I have talked about this and mentioned it. Um, it would be great if particularly our provincial and federal government, because it's, it's much more on their shoulders than it is on the cities. If we could start looking long-term when we're talking about prevention, like we need to think about prevention long-term. So mm -hmm. there is going to be the situation, as we've said, with kids with trauma, people with trauma, especially from COVID, those that are currently living um, without enough food, uh, and this is all going to lead to mental health issues, and we have not been investing enough into mental health supports for children or for adults, but particularly for children, it takes 18 months to get support. And this is how you end up with maybe several people that are in their early 20s, you know, young people whose lives have been robbed from them because they haven't received the supports that they need. They've been living in poverty without food and without support. So it would be great if we, you know, dealing with the situation now for this winter and next year is great. But what we need to start doing is thinking like, how can we prevent the numbers from going up and up and up and that means taking much more long-term strategies and that means working across parties and not bickering with each other about stupid things and and there's there's other things that go along with that but yeah these are like sam said these are agencies with track records of of, of being able to successfully help yep. people who are in this situation and of course getting to your point the best way to help someone who is homeless is to make sure they never become homeless at all Mm -hmm. uh, and we are, I think, lacking a little bit on that. Although I know there's some conversations with the city, and, and I don't want to get this today because it's, it's still coming to council, but conversations surrounding the way that we do wait lists for London housing and, and, and perhaps some, some changes coming that way too. Uh, speaking of uh, the ounce of prevention being worth a pound of cure, I want to talk about green bins. And <laughs> in some spots in the city, you have already started to receive your green bin. Uh, I think they've started the, at the West End, so out in Byron. The reality is it doesn't matter when you get it. It starts to actually be used coming up in January. So we're going to change the way we do garbage collection here in the City of London. Instead of doing the every eight days calendar and things along those lines, we're going to have uh, garbage collection where we come around and we're getting the, the food waste scraps more regularly. But the other garbage, quote unquote other garbage, that's something that we're going to do every two weeks. I think that makes all the sense in the world because what you keep in your house as far as garbage goes, what you're worried about for the most part is the stuff that rots, which is the stuff that goes in the green bin. Uh, we should have done this years ago, but first, how do you think that Londoners are going to uh, take to the green bin program, Carol, now that we've got one coming in January? Well, I think that people like across the board have really been looking forward to the green bin I mean the main important thing is going to be education 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 yes. like make sure that you get people on board that they understand how this works um, you know, make sure that people separate things out the right way but that is going to be the big piece and I know that you know a few years ago when we were talking about this like um, through the London Environmental Network etc um, they kept saying like how can we educate people because that's going to be the big thing so I think there will be a lot of uptake but it might be a bit you know um, wonky at the beginning you, you know a lot of these things usually are 
Um, I I personally do have a concern about the garbage getting picked up every okay. two weeks. Yeah. So <laughs> tell me uh, more. I will tell you because I have seen other places where there is the green pickup, which is great, like having it every week, fantastic. But there is other kinds of garbage that is problematic. So diapers, for instance. That's a good one. Um, feminine products. That's yeah. another one. When those are sitting in the summer for two weeks, that becomes problematic and i think that i'm not gonna lie i hadn't thought of the diaper thing because i'm out of that phase of my life thankfully but i hadn't thought about it um so i know that there have been people that i've heard who've been you know expressing their concerns because you know even waiting those eight days it can it can be problematic and you might not be able to get everybody suddenly switching and they're using cloth diapers i mean that doesn't always work that way um yeah so there's those kinds of waste that it they might realizing well maybe in the summer we should definitely think about pickups a little more often (laughs) i guess we'll see how it goes yeah yeah but that's fair (laughs) i had not thought about that uh scott do you think people are ready for green bins or are they overdue being ready for green bins i i'm certainly ready for it uh i'll be honest i mean i i'm beyond thrilled that that we're finally here um this is something as a homeowner in this city this is something i've wanted for an awful long time um there are limits to how much composting you can do. I mean, obviously you can't, you know, put, put meat bones or anything like that in, but, right. but uh, to me, this, this just takes, takes things to another level and, and, and I'm thrilled about it. I, I share Carol's concerns about, about the two week garbage pickup because you're right. Uh, and, and like you, Craig, I'm long out of that phase of <laughs> my too. life where, where diapers are a concern, but, but I know that is a concern for a lot of people and it is something that, that probably we maybe ought to look uh, at a little bit closer. Um, but just in, in general, I'm, I'm just beyond thrilled that we're finally getting this yeah. green bin program. I think it's long overdue. Um, I understand the reasons why it's taken this long. I mean, it's not, it's not simple. It's not a simple program to roll out, but I'm just so happy that we're finally here. Uh, Sam, you've been uh, obviously a longtime council observer, and now you're on council. And I remember being at council meetings in 2010 when we were talking about green bins. And here we are in 2023, and we're not going to get them until 2024. Uh, your thoughts on the on the timeline aspect of this? Well, I've been very frustrated over the years watching people on city council, like Councillor Turner, raising this. Yep. Other people, it goes way it goes way back. Uh, I thought and they had it and during the, the first bit of the Matt Brown council. I thought they were going to be able to get green bins there. And then, and then Matt Brown kind of changes. I thought so. Yeah. I thought so too. I'm beyond disappointment of, uh, over so many different issues that have happened since 2008. I won't even start today. <laughs> I need my whole show for, for that. But, you know, I will say this. We have it now. This was, this was very carefully vetted as a budget item. In, in the last budget, this was this was a decided budget item from the last council. This council is doing nothing to try to reverse that. There were a number of uh, legitimate procurement issues yep. that stood in our way. We've we've gotten past that, and and they're here. Now, in terms of the uh, the the point about what gets to go in these green bins, we're going to have to watch that very carefully because there are a lot of very good concerns that are being raised when you when you put that together with the uh, with the trash and garbage only being picked up uh, every two weeks. We're going to monitor that very carefully. And we're not going to just wait. Originally, the, we, we were going to wait uh, a year to, to do a monitoring report. That's going to come back in by the <coughs> middle of next year. So we will be able to start to see it based based on the warm weather right what's mm. what's happening and i think the counselors are going to be very very 
interested in getting that feedback and will be willing to make make some shifts. And uh, I need to add cat litter to that. Uh, yeah, cat litter yeah. was the other one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. no, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, I will note um, that as we, to, to me, the, the, the marker of success here is going to be, you know, this is a long-term marker of success, of course, but how much less landfill space are we using because of this? To yeah. me, that's the marker of success. And, and even if you don't care about the environment, which you should, but even if you don't care, landfill space is expensive, people. That's that's one of the more expensive things that we have to do is find some place to say, hey, can we bury your garbage, our garbage here? Like that's that's expensive. So the less of that we have to do, the better off we're going to be. Uh, do you think that there might be some time for conversation? Maybe not right away, but eventually when it comes to what does and doesn't go in the green bin or how garbage bit pickup does work, uh, work, Sam, as far as the timing on it goes, uh, you know, uh, the, the the 14 day concerns that we've uh, we've heard about here. Absolutely. I don't think there's anybody on council that considers this the close question right in terms of in terms of what's ultimately going to go in we had to make some very difficult decisions about what was going to go in initially and this is this is where this is where we landed this was not this was not a point that had council as deeply divided as, no. as, mm -hmm. as, it, as it was on on other issues. and even the province has told you you have to do it well, yeah. We, yeah. We, we have to do it. And as you mentioned, we have to do something about the capacity right. mm -hmm. uh, of, of, where, of, where, of where this stuff is um, going. And um, I am very optimistic about this aspect of what the city is doing. I think people are going to take to it very well. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I am sure that if people are having day-to-day -day problems right at the beginning, they're going to contact their counselors. You would think <laughs> so. Uh, and and there will be expl explainers online and things along those lines. And there's one at londonnewstoday.ca right now if you want to go look for it. Uh, but basically what we're looking at here is, is, is food scraps, of course, that goes in there. Uh, you know, stuff that uh, was baked good at some point. Uh, you know, anything that was food there that you may have considered eating at one point can go in there. Uh, you, you can also put food soil paper products in there. So we're talking about napkins and plates and even pizza boxes. Those can go in, but uh, as we said, pet waste, no. So that's kitty litter and, and, and dog waste. Uh, diapers, no. It, it, so there's, there's, there's some things that can't go in, obviously. So we're going to see, obviously, there's an adjustment that's coming, I think, for Londoners. But I think less stuff going into the landfill is good and we should have been on this train years ago 100 percent. like it should have happened 20 years ago the the other thing i will just mention about the um the summer pickup that i'm i'm concerned about the once every two weeks mm -hmm. is that if you miss your two-week part and you don't Oof. and you don't have a neighbor that can help you out i know from again my family members that live uh, out in bc they will take their garbage and they'll stick it in the freezer because they know they've got a problem they're not going to be able to get back or they're driving for two hours just to get home to put their garbage out and then turning around and coming back because they cannot let it go out there of course there's a bear problem there so you can't put it out too early so it's like a whole thing but i just know that people are going to start like organizing their lives around the garbage day if it's every two weeks and in summer people like to travel and suddenly you've got you know garbage not getting picked up for a month <laughs> well and i wonder if there is and now this of course would be you know kind of limited to people who who drive vehicles but i wonder if there's if there's something the city could do in terms of waiving fees at at, at the depot on oxford or at or at the landfill i mean like if you show up with a garbage bag full of kitty litter yeah you know maybe maybe the the city could say you know what no no charge for that one yeah. now yeah. depending on what you're like 
I think that there is a certain weight threshold that you have to meet. I think at the at, at the very least the landfill at the south end before they ask you for for cash. Yeah. I just don't know off the top of my yeah. head what that is. I so, think it's it's an eight dollar flat rate. Oh, eight dollar minimum, and then, and then, it, and then, it, goes, then it goes up yeah. from yeah. there. Oh, excuse yeah. me. Yes. So uh, yeah, maybe you don't have to pay the eight bucks if you if what you got rid of weighs less than X amount pounds. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Um, so we'll see how green bins go, but uh, you're going to be getting your bin at some point soon, or perhaps if you're listening to us in the, the Byron area, you already have your bin. One thing uh, I want to say about sure. green bins before we get off this, there also is going to be a pilot pro, uh, program for uh, selected apartment buildings. Right. We don't have the capacity to put them in all the apartment buildings, but uh, we did. We, we have recognized that renters are important too, and their, their uh, staff is currently working out um, a schedule where they will um, look at particular um, Rental, um, rental development. Some, so yeah, some buildings or whatever. Hopefully, we will to be able mm-hmm. to start rolling it out uh, for for renters as well. Yeah, I uh, I hope so too. Because uh, yeah, so I think it's one hundred and twenty thousand homes that we're that yeah. we're getting to here. So you know that's great, but that's clearly is not all of the homes in London by uh, by any stretch. Uh, I want to wrap up by talking about another environmental-related story, and that is something that Justin Trudeau uh, said this week. Uh, it's actually yesterday afternoon, and they are going to make some changes to the carbon tax. And what that means is that uh, for home purposes, for home heating oil, it's going to be exempt from the carbon tax for three years. So some people are very happy about this from an affordability perspective. Others are saying, well, is, it, is this just the first hole that goes into the boat that is the carbon tax? <laughs> uh, Carol, what do you think? It, like, I've seen people saying the carbon tax is doomed because if you start here, it's just going to keep growing and growing and growing as far as what yeah. the things are that you exempt from it. Well, I will just say this is that um, back in 2015, one of the things that um, Justin Trudeau did when he was elected prime minister, um, and he was going on this wave of like, we got to deal with climate change, and he delivered a great speech at the UN, and everyone thought this was fantastic. But we've seen pipelines being bought and other issues, and now we're just seeing this eking away at the carbon tax. And um, yeah, I think that it would be doomed. If, if we're going this direction, uh, it's just one more way that things are going to break apart. And we already have the problem that, you know, I think our government is going to change very soon. I mean, I do not think the liberals will still be in charge and then, you know, everything will get dismantled. Um, at this point, I don't think that Canada in any way is keeping up with its obligations that it's put forth in Glasgow and Paris. Um, and we have a really bad reputation internationally, and this is just going to add to that. Yeah, uh, it's 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 not what you want, but politically, they're in a bad way, Scott. Well, there's a lot to unpack here, yeah. and none of it makes the federal liberals look particularly good. Um, <laughs> there's there's the thing that struck me first when when the news first broke was we've been told countless times that the carbon tax is not going to you know does not and will not negatively affect affordability. Mm-hmm. Right. Flash forward to yesterday and the prime minister is saying, we recognize that people are hurting uh, financially, so we are going to remove the carbon tax on home heating oil for the next three years. The second part of that, that that kind of, you know, makes the ears kind of ring a little bit is, is this is primarily, despite the protestations of, of this suggestion on the part of the liberals, uh, this is going to 
primarily affect people in Atlantic Canada, where the Liberals' right. electoral fortunes have taken a considerable turn for the worse. Yeah. Somewhere between that gives 30... That gives the Atlantic Canada something in common with Ontario, Quebec, and British Columbia, yeah. to be clear. Yeah. But yes. <laughs> but, there, but, 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 the, but the Atlantic, you know, they yes. often talked yeah. about the Atlantic Wall. Yep. You know, yeah. much in... Yeah. So they estimate somewhere between 30 and 40% of people in Atlantic Canada home, heat their homes with oil. So, you know, great for them. They're going to save some money. I'm happy for them. But... I mean, if this is a, a, a move to address affordability, then what about the people who heat their homes with natural gas? What about the people who heat their homes with propane? There are other ways that homes are heated in this country outside of, of oil. And, and so I'm left wondering about the motivation for this. And, and maybe it's the cynic in me, but it doesn't look great. It looks like a, a federal party that recognizes it's in big trouble in a part of the country where it has traditionally performed very well. And this is almost, it's like a lifeline being thrown to liberal MPs in Atlantic Canada. And and its it doesn't look great. I mean, it's it, it, looks, it looks like what I think it is. And that's that it's a political move. It's not mm -hmm. about affordability. It's about saving seats in Atlantic Canada. Is it going to work? Well, that remains to be seen. But but I, I just, you know, it, it just doesn't sit real well. Because again, if I heat my home with, with natural <laughs> gas, you know, I mean, which is which burns far cleaner than than oil. Now, I'm still paying. I'm now take the rebates out, out of the equation for, mm -hmm. for just half a second. I'm paying carbon tax on the natural gas that, that I'm using to heat my home, but these folks who are still using oil are not mm -hmm. going to be paying mm -hmm. carbon tax on it. That seems a little odd. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just think that it, it, it makes it look as though where they're retreating on that because they have spent so much political capital. So much political capital on, don't worry, average Canadian, you're going to come out, you know, somewhat even here, maybe even a little bit ahead. Don't worry, average Canadian, this is going to be fine. They have spent a lot of political capital on that. And now, pardon the pun, but they've really burned it. They burn right, right through it. And I, I, I just don't understand the logic to it other than we're desperate. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, what else is there to it? Like, Sam, did you have any thoughts on that? Uh, just as we uh, go through the uh, the battle against climate change here, it feels like uh, kind of a loss in my estimation. It does seem, the, the first point that Carol made, it does seem as if um, the big worry here is what's next. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. what, like... If, if, if we're going to do this for, like, are we going to start, uh, is this going to go for gasoline at some point? Yeah. Or diesel? Like, I don't know. I, I, I would suspect they're not going to do that anytime soon. But the now, now in the next election, the, the, it might be two years away. The next election could hypothetically be two years away, like, today, essentially. Uh, it, it, they could do it, like, end of October 2025 yeah. if, they, if they're so inclined. So two years is a long time. But at the very same time, that means it's a long time for them to continue to get bad polling numbers, continue yeah. to get bad data, and this is the mess they find themselves yeah. in. Yeah, and in the meantime, this is in no way helping us deal with climate change. And if you're thinking about it, if this is like, you know, throwing a lifeline to Atlantic Canada, well, Atlantic Canada really needs us to step up our policies to help deal with the environmental crises they've had to deal with. We had flooding fires and there was a hurricane people lost their lives they lost their homes that is a huge financial and emotional drain so this is you know absolutely a step backwards we should be doing everything we possibly can to start getting ahead of some of the problems that are happening um, those are incredibly expensive and taxing on our our government and on our funds uh, so 
yeah, this is, it's a mistake. Uh, are they just cooked though? Like, it, like I, 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 to me, they're, they're counting on one scenario and one scenario only here is Pierre Polyev has a disastrous federal election campaign. It's not going to happen. I don't think so either. I think it's a pretty <laughs> tight team. But yeah. to me, that's the only out that Trudeau and company have at this point. I don't think there's anything else. There, there's a long history. Well, I don't know if long history is right. But there, but there are examples, let's say, of, of conservative politicians, <clears throat> John Tory, snatching <laughs> defeat from the jaws yeah. of victory. We, a lot of people thought Tim Hudak was going to be premier. Yeah. He never was. I don't see that happening this time. To, no. be, to be honest. And, and further to, to, to Carol's point, it does make me wonder and, and worry uh, what, what progressive policy is the next one to be thrown, cast aside oh. uh, for electoral convenience. And, uh, and, absolutely. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah I, I think we're going to see perhaps more so than we've already seen governing by polling. Mm-hmm. Uh, polling numbers over the next mm-hmm. two years, yeah. if, if that's what it's going to be two years until the next election. That's, we're going to see more of this. And, yeah. and again, it, it, you, you get to a point where you have to look at things through a, dare I say, a jaundiced eye with this government. You, know, you look at the motivation and, and, eye. and, and wonder, <laughs> is, yeah. this, is this what you really think? Is this a principled stand you're taking? Or is this just because you know Mm-hmm. you're about to get your ass handed to you at the polls. And, yeah. you know. and maybe regretting the decision to promise that you're going to do electoral reform and then backing away from that because this is going to hurt you in, in the yeah. next election. If you had dealt with this, maybe you wouldn't. You know. We'd be looking at a very <laughs> different playing field right now. Oh, yes. If like first past the post is going to just... Uh, deliver Pierre Polyev to the oh, prime minister seat. It, it is. We'd be looking at it like, and hey, Pierre Polyev might have become prime minister uh, under mixed member proportional or, or whatever other scenarios sure. are out there. There's all the chances in the world that could have happened. I don't know. Uh, but the way that the system is set up right now. That's the thing is he could come to a majority yeah. with a minority of the votes. That's the problem. That that's almost seems the, the more, that's like the most likely outcome. Exactly. Yeah. And if we were concerned about all the, for me in any case, the environmental regulations that got completely dismantled under the Stephen Harper years, on top of that, that scientists weren't even allowed to talk about climate change. If people don't think that Pierre Polyev isn't going to roll back even farther than Stephen Harper, they, they're in for a surprise because he's definitely going to go that direction. He is constantly, every single post he does is just about Justin Trudeau and everything he's done wrong. So he's going to make it his mission to just dismantle everything the liberals have done in the last eight years. And maybe some people will agree with dismantling some of them, but there is still good stuff that it has been happened over the last eight years. Do we think that there's some sort of other, I'm not going to call it a carbon tax because they won't want to do that, but some other environmental policy that might make sense in lieu of a carbon tax that the conservatives even remotely consider? I don't, I, I, and I don't know what the answer to that is, but I, I saw some people online musing about it. Some people in the environmental sector saying, hey, look, if you have any sort of sway with someone who's a decision maker with the conservatives, now is the time to talk to that person because the carbon tax is probably doomed was, was, was the talk yeah. that I was seeing online. So yeah. not good. Uh, and, and hey, if, if, if the Trudeau government has kind of made their own bed here and now they're going to have to lie in it and it, the, 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 the bed might be at Stornoway for Justin Trudeau. Uh, <laughs> that of course is assuming that he will in fact lead the party into the next election because I, I still think there is a non-zero chance that that may not happen. That's, yep. 
It's that. remote, yeah, but it's a chance. I, I think that there's definitely some considerations to be had there as well. Uh, let's wrap up the, uh, the, the Friday roundtable right here because we're uh, up against clock and, and people got places to go, people to see. So thank you very much to Scott and to Sam and to Carol for coming in and doing the, uh, the roundtable with us this week, which of course you can find at classicrock981.com. We're at londonnewstoday.ca as well on your favorite podcast app too. And of course, the Craig Needles podcast is brought to you by Clearview Autoglass. With a bit of bad luck, your windshield took one for the team and you've got to get it replaced. The good luck is you've got Clearview Autoglass. Certified in OptiAIM Lane Departure Camera Calibration Service, Clearview Autoglass will replace your windshield quickly and safely to ensure the integrity of your vehicle. And they will submit your claim directly to your insurance company for you. Plus, they'll give you a $25 gift card. Don't just drive, enjoy the view with Clearview Autoglass. 540 Clark Road and clearviewautoglasslondon.ca. The Craig Needles Podcast is a presentation of the Blackburn Media Podcast Network.